What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. It's me, Jonathan Hood, and we're going to talk about the Royal Rumble taking place in San Antonio, Texas. If you got a chance to check out Good Karma Wrestling, you really should. Good Karma Wrestling, available now on Spotify. It's available on Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Check out Good Karma Wrestling. It airs 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 Pacific, every Thursday with Gabe, Brian, and yours truly, Jay Hood. And boy, we got to talk about the Royal Rumble on Saturday. Man, you know, there's nothing like storytelling done well in professional wrestling. If you're a longtime wrestling fan, if you don't know what good storytelling is by now, I don't think you'll ever see it. I mean, think about this. Watching the whole saga of the bloodline, of what happened with Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn and the Usos, Paul Heyman, Solo Sokoa, this has just been tremendous. And it all came to a head in San Antonio at the Royal Rumble. So let's start there because that was something that we were wondering going into the Royal Rumble. What would happen? You remember the storyline going in? It was like, hey, Roman Reigns says, I don't want to see you until Saturday. Of course, he shows up on Friday Night Smackdown because you had to watch and see if Sammy's going to involve himself. And he did. But Sami Zayn just portrayed Roman Reigns and the entire bloodline by hitting Roman Reigns over the back with a chair. Boy, how similar is that to uh, the days of Roman Reigns being part of the Shield? The same scenario where the chair was the difference. All of this story that we've seen on Raw and SmackDown and pay-per-views, where Sami Zayn just wants to belong... A lost soul in the WWE. He's already had two or three different characters. And so this character is him being an honorary Uso. He had to work his way into being around the bloodline. But he was never a true Uso. And you knew that something was going to happen. But here's what I did not know. I did not know that Sami Zayn would turn on Roman Reigns. The one thing that we'll always remember is this is the aftermath of a WWE Universal you know, unified championship match with Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens. We'll never remember that match, but we always remember what happened afterwards, right? <laughs> so after the Usos just super kicked the hell out of uh, Kevin Owens and beat him down and then handcuff him to the ropes, there was an opportunity for Sami Zayn to do it, to get a chair and knocked the hell out of Kevin Owens because that was supposed to be, quote-unquote, the final test for Sami Zayn. Are you really going to be with us or against us? Your lifelong friend, Kevin Owens, is handcuffed on the ropes. So what are you going to do about it? And after Roman Reigns got mad because Sami Zayn would not pull the trigger, muffed him a couple times right in the face, like, hey, this is my life. Why don't you do this? And then Sami turns on Roman. And boy, the crowd... The crowd in San Antonio, they popped. It was loud in there just because it was just the pressure off of everyone. All the fans saying, Sammy, what are you going to do? You're going to do what the tribal chief wants you to do? Or are you going to do what's best for you and your relationship with Kevin Owens? And you saw the choice that Sami Zayn made. And and kudos to the announcers as well, because Michael Cole and Pat McAfee and Corey Graves all laid out. They didn't overdo it with the announcing. They just let the story play out. And I just thought that that was fascinating television. It really was. Well, the whole thing has been fascinating television. 
So the question is, what happens on Monday Night Raw? What happens moving forward with Sami Zayn and his relationship with the bloodline? I look forward to seeing what happens on Monday night because, you know, after what happened with Sami Zayn in the chair, of course, it was Jimmy Uso. It was Solo Sokoa. Those two went after Sami Zayn. But what happened to Jay Uso? Jay walks to the back and he's distraught because Jay loves Sami Zayn. So is there a breakup with the Usos? What happens with Solo Sokoa? What happens with Roman Reigns as he is the uh, still remains as a champion? What happens to the relationship with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn? How is that going to continue? I watched these two, Owens and Zayn, at Ring of Honor. I used to hate to watch those two battle, and they were fantastic opponents. And they also, they were a great tag team working with each other. They're both French-Canadian. They know each other well. And so it was just amazing to see the scene of two friends, two real friends, in Owens and Zane laid out in front of 50,000 people at the Alamo Dome. <laughs> it came down to that. So now we got to find out what happens with the Usos. So the story actually continues. This has been brilliant by the WWE. I have not read a lot online about people saying, oh, I'm tired of this storyline, tired of Roman being the champion. This is one of the few times in wrestling where I think the majority of us realize, wow, this is going someplace. Yes, Sami Zayn's not an honorary use anymore, but the story continues. Long-term storytelling. And this, my friends, is the greatest storyline of professional wrestling. Nobody can touch it. And it has been fantastic. I really like what I saw there. As far as the match is concerned, the match was solid. You know, um, Owens and Reigns have worked uh, with one another before. And so, obviously, it was pretty smooth between the two, exactly what to do. They worked on the road. I just thought that the match was very, very good. I would say an A-, minus, uh, maybe a, definitely a solid A between the two, and it's pretty smooth. How about the loud chance of fuck you, Roman, after all of that? I hadn't heard that before. It shows you the emotion that the fans had in San Antonio about what happened to Sami Zayn, which makes Sami Zayn a, a made man as a babyface, a, arguably the number one babyface in the WWE. But those loud chants after Roman did that to Sami, that broke the spirit of a lot of fans there. They did not like to see that from their guy. Let's go into the Men's Royal Rumble. Let's go uh, at the beginning. I think it was a surprise. I did not expect the Men's Royal Rumble to be first, but it was. And Cody Rhodes ends up being uh, the winner. Not a lot of surprises in this Men's Royal Rumble. There's actually more surprises in the Women's Royal Rumble, which we'll get to in a second. Gunther, the Intercontinental Champion. This is straight up Triple H booking right here because I love how Gunther has been able to go through a lot of different opponents in WWE. The Intercontinental Championship means something again. I grew up when the IC Championship meant a lot. It's not about it's a workhorse championship or this guy's got to go 60 minutes every night. It's, it's not about that. It's about how Gunther is dominant. And when he is beaten, it will be a surprise to everybody just based on how he's been able to be so dominant. The guy went through the entire time in the Royal Rumble and, and pulled number one and did not look tired. That's the other thing, too. Yeah, there's rest spots in the Royal Rumble, but this guy here went right through the entire Royal Rumble well over an hour in the ring. And by the way, before I go through the list, for you longtime wrestling fans... Can you imagine, not one, but two, ultimately, gimmicked battle royals? 
the Battle Royal was used to be something that just was a special, just a one-off, a 10-man, 20-man, 15-man Battle Royal for quote-unquote $15,000 to $20,000 purse, a car. used to be something for something like that back in the day. I just was laughing to myself watching the Royal Rumble saying, this thing has been going on since the late 80s, this Royal Rumble concept from Vince McMahon and for Pat Patterson. And the only thing different from this Battle Royal is just like people come down every 60 seconds and it's just it's gotten over to the point where many people think that this is the best event for WWE, not WrestleMania. I just think it's fascinating. I've watched so many Battle Royals over the years as a kid watching wrestling to where I am now as a uh, overgrown adult watching this. And I'm just like, wow. This is getting over every year. People love this. And ultimately, it's just a, a Royal Rumble, but it's gimmicked. It's a battle royal, but just gimmicked. It's kind of funny how that works. Gunther, number one pick, followed by Sheamus. And they're going back and forth. That's what you want. Two bruisers, Gunther and Sheamus. The Miz comes in. Got to have someone to eliminate first. And that's why the Miz is there. Kofi Kingston really didn't get a chance to do his gimmick. Um, the way he wanted to. We've seen some great Royal Rumbles from Kobe, uh, from Kofi Kingston. Some uh, great appearances. Didn't really get what we normally get from him as far as him landing on a table or a chair or people to get him back in the ring. It was okay, but it wasn't what we normally see from Kofi Kingston. Johnny Gargano was in there for quite a while. Xavier Woods. Karrion Cross was, Cross was not in there long. I want to see what the WWE does with Karrion Cross. Chad Gable in there with the shoosh. Um, Drew McIntyre, Santos Escobar, Angelo Dawkins comes in there. And boy, you know, here's a guy here that pretty much is telling everybody, oh, no, I'm not Barney Jannetty. You know, I'm not uh, going to be a guy that's left off of this tag team. I'm as impressive as Montez Ford. I got to give Dawkins a lot of credit for being able to be um, not just a really solid tag team wrestler, but also when he's in there, he's doing some moves for a big guy. I like what I see from Angelo Dawkins. Brock Lesnar was so in and out of there. That was one of my picks for the Royal Rumble. That guy was in there for three minutes and it caused havoc afterwards. Bobby Lashley was not there in there long enough for me either. Baron Corbin, Seth Rollins is at 15. You see Otis come in and then there's no Rey Mysterio that's supposed to come in at 17. It's funny, I was in a Royal Rumble pool. I drew 17 and so my pick never, never appeared. <laughs> so I'm out 20 bucks in my Royal Rumble pool. Dominic Mysterio. You know, Dominic Mysterio, and this is why we all have to wait for a build for a wrestler. You know, as long as Bruce Pritchard is in the back, as someone who supports Rey Mysterio over the years, he's going to do what he can to get Dominic over. And just like the other agents back there. When we first saw him, baby face, uh, expressionless, didn't have much personality. And look at Mysterio now. Dominic Mysterio, even though he's a chicken shit heel, he still gets a reaction. That's amazing. The metamorphosis over the year for Mysterio and the storyline. And you can thank Rhea Ripley for that and being part of that Judgment Day. Mysterio now is someone that people like to hate. And so that works. Elias comes in at 19, Finn Balor at 20. Booker T comes in at 21. How great a look is Booker T. That guy is as solid. Look at that body that he had <laughs> coming down to the ring. He wasn't in there long, but he is a brick house. He's still wrestling, by the way, uh, for his um, his company down in Houston. Uh, ring of Reality Wrestling, I believe it is. Uh, so, yeah, he's still wrestling from time to time. But he was in the Royal Rumble for a little bit. Damian Priest, Montez Ford came in. Montez Ford was not in there long at 23. 
He was not in there long. And then, of course, you think you know me, and Edge comes down. And it's like, wow, I'm a big Edge fan. For those of you listening to me on TWT over the years, you know how much I appreciate Edge. So Edge comes down at uh, number 24. Again, he was not in there long because he was battling the Judgment Day. So it's good to see Edge back um, in the ring. Austin Theory comes in at 25, and I'm thinking, oh, God. 25 seems like a, a peak time, a peak spot for Austin Theory at 25. E- Thank goodness he didn't win. <laughs> it's not a, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's good for him to continue to evolve in the WWE. I just didn't want him to win the Royal Rumble. Omos comes in, Braun Strowman, Ricochet at 28, uh, Logan Paul at 29, and Cody Rhodes wins the Royal Rumble. It's Cody Rhodes against Gunter at the end. And Cody Rhodes ends up winning. We should have known, right? All the vignettes, all the storylines. And we're thinking, when does Cody Rhodes come out? And there was a big pop for Rhodes. I know that um, on GKW, the show I do with Brian and Gabe, both of those guys were against all those vignettes. They think it should have been a surprise. He just pops up at the Rumble. And I think, you know, WWE's about telling stories. And for Triple H, who went through the same thing, and for your longtime wrestling fans, you remember... I believe it was in the early 2000s where Triple H tears his quad and we see all the back, you know, the backstory of how he got injured. And he goes to Dr. James Andrews in Birmingham and gets it works out. And you can see the the gym footage and just how painful it was from the rehab. And then he comes back to the Royal Rumble. Boom. You know, and I think the same thing occurred here with Cody Rhodes. They got the you saw the videos and how he's just trying to get to the main event at WrestleMania. And guess what? He's going to take on the world champion, and I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> I don't know how Cody Rhodes is going to get past um, Roman Reigns. I don't know how they're going to build this, especially when Sami Zayn against the bloodline is more interesting at this point in time. But the story of Cody Rhodes is right there for everybody, and so uh, I find it it's going to be pretty interesting. How about Bray Wyatt against L.A. Knight, uh, which we'll get to in just a moment. I'd like to remind you to check out Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday when we have a podcast. Make sure you you subscribe. Make sure that you share this. Make sure you tell everybody that we always have extra wrestling commentary for you outside of our uh, Good Karma Wrestling show that we do every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. It's one thing for you to listen, but make sure you share this and let people know that we're talking wrestling right here on uh, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And we got merch. Have you clicked the link, by the way? It's right here in the description of this podcast. While I'm talking, just go there. Click the link that's in the description of the podcast. It's right there. It's free, so it it won't cost you anything. You click the link, and you can check out our merchandise. We've got T-shirts. we got sweatshirts. We've got mugs. I just want you to represent the wrestling show that you appreciate the most, and that is Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. It's right there in the bio, and uh, make sure you check it out. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday merchandise right in the bio of uh, this podcast. But again, share this podcast. Let people know what's up with Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And of course, of course uh, Good Karma Wrestling as well. Okay, let's go back. Bray Wyatt against LA Knight. So online, people are like, what is this? Why is this happening? We know this is. This is great for Mountain Dew. This is what this is about. This is a sponsorship for Mountain Dew, a pitch black match, because that's the pop. Or depending where you're listening, it might be soda to you, but in the Midwest, it's pop. They're trying to sell this pop, this beverage. And this is what they want to do. It was so unique, too, because LA Knight is wearing neon green uh, tights. And so in the dark, you could see him. Uh, you couldn't really. You saw that um, 
Bray Wyatt was wearing like the Rey Mysterio um, contacts. <laughs> and so that was interesting to see. He had black eye makeup. And uh, it was kind of a new look for Bray Wyatt. This match did not last long, and I'm, I'm good with it. It was not going to be a classic. They had a glow-in-the-dark kendo stick. Um, they went right to Sister Abigail for the finish. I had no problem with this. The, what was interesting is it was at the end. So this mysterious Uncle Howdy, we got to find out who Uncle Howdy is. He emerged on the elevated platform and then launched himself onto L.A. Knight. Now, he missed... By a wide margin, did Uncle Howdy, but the whole thing is that the whole thing just blew up as soon as as soon as Uncle Howdy landed, quote unquote, on L.A. Night. The whole thing exploded. So fire erupted, and the unusual segment ended. And then you saw some of Wyatt's cast of characters kind of looking down at it, like the the pig and everything else that's in there for that Firefly Funhouse or whatever that they got there. So it was fine. It was just uh, a few minutes. And uh, I don't know if we'll have another pitch black match. Don't know if you need another one, quite frankly. <laughs> but I thought it was just, for what it was, it was fine. I was speaking not too long ago about Bianca Belair. And I'm wondering, is she all entrance and no go? Well, here's my thought on Bianca Belair. I think that the Raw Women's Champion is very solid. I think that she's getting better every time that I see her. I just think that it's about trying to figure out the right opponent for Bianca Belair. I thought the right opponent at one point was um, Becky Lynch. And so she takes on a smaller Alexa Bliss here. And I'm thinking, is this match to elevate Alexa Bliss as part of the Fiend character with Bray Wyatt? Or is this trying to elevate Bianca Belair as champion? This could have been on Raw. I don't know why this match took place. I just think it was it was fine. It was competitive. But there's no sizzle to the Bianca Belair matches. It's got to be the right opponent, and it's got to be the right build. You know what I want is, I want from Bianca Belair, honestly? I want her to sweat. She doesn't have to bleed like the women at AEW. I don't need her to, <laughs> to, to bleed. I just want her hair messed up. I want her makeup taken off her face by an opponent. I want her to be able to to hurt and for people to feel for Bianca Belair. It's interesting when you have a great body like Bianca Belair or even some of the male athletes and you see them down on the ground. You know, for some kids, they're like, oh, I have sympathy for them. For us as adults, it's like, well, this person's got a great body and a great look. And it's like, how's this person hurt? It's like it's hard to get sympathy on Bobby Lashley, for instance. I'll just use him as an example. Or, you know, it's hard to get... Um, you know, sympathy on someone like a, like a Braun Strowman. Because you're like, well, they're, they're, look how they're built. You know, Brock Lesnar, the same thing. How do you get sympathy on someone that looks great, that looks muscular? And and how that happens is it's got to be the right story. And so with Bianca Belair, every match, she doesn't, she doesn't sweat. Her hair is always in the same direction. She never looks tattered. She never looks like, oh, my God, I'm in peril because she's still learning how to sell. But the whole thing is, is that kids love her, um, a role model type, terrific baby face. But I think the way to be able to elevate Bianca Belair is the right opponent. And Alexa Bliss is not that. thought it was just fine. So, you know, what's interesting about, um, about the women's Royal Rumble and the women's um, roster for the WWE 
it's something that you see all the time, and I know I've talked about it on Good Karma Wrestling, and that is, hey, who's going to get hot in this women's division? So we know that Rhea Ripley somehow has been one of the hottest females in the WWE, even though she hasn't been wrestling. She's just been with the Judgment Day. But she got in there, and she was ferocious. She was at the right place at the right time all the time to make eliminations, and she wins the Women's Royal Rumble. But what I want to get back to is we've talked so much about Okay, so who are going to be the number of women to go after Bianca Bianca Belair? Who's going to be the women to go after Charlotte as far as true contenders? That can't be Sonya Deville. It just can't be because there's no way that she should be headlining a SmackDown or pay-per-view as a serious contender for the championship because... uh, I don't take her seriously and she has not been put in a position where she's taken seriously. But I just want to just go through the list. Because when we look at the Royal Rumble on the women's side, it's like, wait a minute now. There are plenty of women that could be able to go after these championships that you could take seriously. Like, for instance, Rhea Ripley's number one. Rhea Ripley should take on Bianca Belair or maybe Charlotte. I'm thinking Belair. I think that she should go for the Raw Championship, but I'm not sure how that's going to go. So Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan, who has a little bit more of an edge than we've seen in the past. Liv Morgan, who as champion was not over with me, but look how Liv Morgan now. There's a little bit more of an edge to Liv Morgan, maybe exactly what she needed as what I consider a heel, at least she should be. Dana Brooke, okay, that's just a contender. That's just a, a body right now. Dana Brooke was 24-7 champion, and she's trying to be taken more seriously in the WWE. Okay. Emma's out there. Emma's just a solid veteran, a solid hand for the WWE. Um, she has a kind of a new look than we saw last time from the Indies to back to the WWE. She has a different look. So I like I like to see what her personality is going to be more than just someone who talks on promos and just goes out there and gives you an average match. Uh, Shayna Baszler, of course, someone that is um, definitely improved from the time that she came to WWE, a contender. Bailey, of course. B-Fab out there. She was number seven in the Royal Rumble. And I'm like, B-Fab. Now, can I saw a little bit from her, but she wasn't in there very long. Uh, I think, yeah, I'm looking at this. Yeah, she was number seven in the Rumble. And it's like, okay, is she seriously going to be wrestling? Not, sure, not really sure. A surprise, Roxanne Perez, who I've not seen in NXT. Uh, that was the first time I saw her because I don't watch NXT, but I saw her. And boy, she was a house of fire. She did some things there. Um, a little bit of a shorter wrestler, but she had some fire, actually, which I really liked. So she was eight on the list. Dakota Kai was nine. Eos Guy is ten. Natalia, well, you hear that music come out, but I was like, oh, Natalia's in this thing. Yeah, and the announcers were talking about how Natalia feels like that she's been disrespected. And um, I think that that is true. She's been in the company for a long time. Would you imagine Natalia in New Japan? Could she be able to handle that style? I know she's tough. I know she's beautiful, but I would love to see her with new competition, new set of wrestlers to take on, even at her veteran stage. And she's been around for a long time. I wonder what that would look like after being in the WWE system for, God, almost, what, 15 years, something like that? Candice LeRae was 12. Zoe Stark was in there at 13. She always, Zoe Stark, I think, needs a little bit of a push here. Love to see her. Uh, in the WWE, and she looks like she could be able to do more than just the garden variety wrestling. Uh, Zia Lee, someone that the company's pushed for a while, is at 14. 
Uh, Becky Lynch, of course, one of the top women in that company at 15. Tegan Knox, 16. And then the new look, Asuka. Mm. Asuka, it is, it's, it's amazing if you just do something a little bit different. She has a fresh coat of paint on her face. Just the way that she does the, her paint. Uh, just the way her hair is. It's just, it's still Asuka, but it comes across even more dangerous. It comes up a little bit more random the way that she came out there. And people gave her a big pop. People really respect Asuka over the years. Uh, it's uh, it's good. I like what I saw there from Asuka. And uh, someone that can win the championship again, I think, at some point in her career. And then we don't get Dewdrop. We get Piper Niven. Boy, the internet was happy about that. I saw Piper Niven at NXT UK uh, when that was a thing. And I was very impressed by um, the way she moves around in the ring uh, and, and the powerhouse for sure. I saw her in the um, UK indies as well uh, on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, Piper Niven is different from Dewdrop in a, in a lot of ways. You say, well, it's the same person. Now, the Piper Niven that we saw in NXT UK and then in the UK indies, yeah, she can go. She is uh, she's can move around that ring pretty well. I look forward to seeing in her new her old persona what that looks like. Okay, let's see what else we have here. We got Tamina at nineteen. Good to see Tamina out there. Um, Tamina Snuka followed by Chelsea Green. You know, I should have asked in the interview that we did on GKW uh, with Matt Cardona. Whether or not Chelsea Green was going to San Antonio, I did not. I regret not asking the question. It's not like she was going. He was going to give us the answer, but the wife of Matt Cardona, Chelsea Green, was in there for like five seconds. Is that a rib on her? Is she going to be back in the WWE? Looks. I'm not really sure. I think she is, but just the idea that she was in there for five seconds um, was interesting to me. I should have asked Cardona: Is Chelsea Green going to be in uh, WWE? And I did not ask the question. That's shame on me. Zelina Vega comes in there. She makes some some noise. She comes in there and she does a couple of things. I liked what I saw there. Her look was interesting. Raquel Rodriguez at 22. This company is going to realize that Raquel Rodriguez is a heel. Because when I first saw her at NXT, I said, here's someone that's trying to be a Stan Hansen heel. If, I don't know if you remember. She's wearing chaps and cowboy hat because she's from Texas. And now she's just a smiley baby face. Uh, maybe that gets over because this company probably needs more baby faces in the women's division. But Raquel Rodriguez is coming out there and uh, she's pretty good. Uh, we also saw uh, Minchin. That's not her name. Why do they keep going with Minchin? Uh, she's at number 23. She should be utilized a lot better. She should be She should be a lot uh, higher in the uh, women's division as far as a true contender. Then Lacey Evans. Ah, uh, they're pushing the crap out of Lacey Evans. Anything they can to push her out there. <laughs> what is this, her third or fourth gimmick? Now she uses the Cobra Clutch like Sergeant Slaughter. Holy cow. Uh, Michelle McCool comes out of the stands, the wife of The Undertaker. Sitting with her kids, and she says, I'll be right back. And she goes into the Rumble at uh, number 25. Indy Hartwell at 26. Sonya Deville at 27. Shotzi at 28. Nikki Cross, she runs like Usain Bolt from the back all the way to the front. I think she... Made it to the ring faster than any competitor in the WWE. I think she did. Because she's insane. And I love it. I love Nikki Cross. I think, man, her her persona that Vince put on her did her no favors as a superhero. That was just so bad and so bogus. I disliked that so much. Because 
she was someone that was part of Sanity. If you remember that gimmick from NXT, and you heard Michael Cole mention that in the broadcast, she was so over because she was so different than the other women. And now you're starting to see that persona again, which is awesome. And then Nia Jax comes out of nowhere at 30. There were more surprises, that's my point. There's more surprises in the women's division than it was the men. I did not expect to see Nia Jax. She seemed like she was so anti-WWE on her social. Uh, I did not expect to see... um, Let me go through the list again. Chelsea Green. Did I expect to see Piper Niven? That was a surprise to me. Uh, And uh, I did not expect to see Roxanne Perez. So... There were some surprises there in the women's division that I really, really liked. But also, if you notice, and there was a little bit with the men, but definitely the women, there are some matchups there that you saw. And I think the Royal Rumble also is for the people in the back to be able to size up. It's like, oh, boy, look at this person against this person. You know, when they go face to face, you know, what does that look like? What 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 could that be? There's some fresh matchups that could be made just based on what happened in the Royal Rumble. I think it's a great way to be able to to identify that if you are Triple H. So I thought that there was a very good uh, Royal Rumble women's match. I think it was, uh, for me, an an A. Um, I thought that it was fantastic. I'm going to give... I'm going to give the men a little bit of the advantage uh, as far as the two Rumbles are concerned. Uh, But the women, though, because of the surprises and because of the way uh, Rhea Ripley was able to win that thing, I was very, very impressed by what I saw. And overall, I thought the pay-per-view was very good for the WWE. It was excellent. Um, One of the best Rumbles that I can remember in a long time. It made up for what happened last year, I thought, where it was just, you know, Rey Mysterio coming out last. It was just... um, Something that was just, I think it was disconnected. And from everything that we hear, Shane McMahon was running it. And I I don't think Vince was very happy with that. But this 2023 Royal Rumble, one of the best I can remember in a long time. Really, really enjoyed it. So some questions for you. I wanted to find out from you, so what happens now with Sami Zayn? And what happens with the bloodline? What happens with Jey Uso? Um... What happens with uh, Kevin Owens? He got completely obliterated. Boy, you talk about trying to put him in a bad spot. Nobody came out to save him. He got super kicked to death. So what happens with that scenario? What happens with uh, Rhea Ripley? Who does she choose? The Raw or the SmackDown Women's Championship? We already saw Rhea against uh, Charlotte at WrestleMania once. Does this happen again? Rhea, to me, is destined for gold. There's no question about that. Um, what's the next uh, opponent for Bray Wyatt? Now that this thing is done with L.A. Knight, what's next for Bray Wyatt? How do, the, how do they make the story interesting? How does it advance? That's a big question about that. And then just from there, like, what happens overall with the WWE? Because you got Elimination Chamber and, of course, WrestleMania. How does Cody confront Roman? Because Cody was the winner of the Men's Royal Rumble. So many questions. But I will tell you, the WWE, no matter if you have complaints or question marks, they find a way, to, when you get in the ring, it's very, very compelling. So I just think that it's fantastic. Some thoughts from Triple H. And don't forget, my friends, we're going to have Good Karma Wrestling on Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. Check it out on YouTube. Go to Good Karma Wrestling there. Go to our um, Instagram at Good Karma Wrestling. 
Go to Twitter at GKW underscore wrestling. Support our wrestling that we have. We got plenty of content to give to you. But the only way that it can grow is because of you. A few thoughts from Triple H as we go. But thanks so much for listening to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Check out the merch in the bio. I can't help it, but when I look at him, I do see his dad. I look in his eyes and I see his dad's eyes. Um, I see Dusty, but I see all the best things of Dusty. And then I see something more in Cody. So it's not about comparing him. I just see the greatness of his dad amplified in his dad's son. And that's something special. He's a special talent, a special human being. And uh, I'm very proud of him for that. So there's nothing like this. Nothing. Um, You were all out there tonight, 51,000 people going crazy. Put yourself in the center of that. It's all aimed at you. There's no rush like that in the world. Um, So I know for him, and and I know his family, his background and everything... Like there's there's a part of him that if he could be here for this, if he could be here for this WrestleMania um, in Hollywood, he would turn over every stone and walk through fire to be able to do it if he could. I, I just don't think it's in the cards. But but then again, you don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, and and that's the thing. I think there's a we we always have conversations with him because. He loves it so much, and we'd love for him to be a part of it, right? He's the biggest star in Hollywood, maybe one of the, maybe the most recognizable person on the planet. Why wouldn't we want him to be a part of it, right? This is his home. He's an open invitation. We don't lock the door. He's an open invitation to walk through it anytime he wants. It's, but he's incredibly busy. And um, I think that respect factor both ways, that he wouldn't want to do it unless he could absolutely do it. Do you know what I mean? He's, there's no way he would show up here and half-ass it. There's no way he would show up here and not come in and want to put every single thing he had into it to make it the best it could possibly be. So unless he can do that, it, it won't happen. But he knows that the door is open, and when he has the time and the availability to do it, he can come in and electrify everybody. Uh, Triple H has no reason to be a fan of mine, if you really think about it. I smashed the throne. Um, I took a lot of shots. Always lighthearted, but I think I think he knew where it was coming from. Um, I was hungry. I mean, he's he's the one guy. Uh, he'll, I, I don't think he remembers this, but I'll never forget it. I remember I I talked to him in a gorilla position one time when I was really frustrated doing Stardust, and uh, I went to walk out, and he just he looked back at me and he said, uh, "Hey, rattle the cages." And I, and I, okay, you know, like, that could have meant a lot of things. Go talk to the writers. Go, he said, rattle the cages. I took it real literally and uh, went out and rattled them as much as I could. And uh, I'm so glad that that relationship gets to develop now because it's clearly, if you guys have seen how I've modeled a lot of my, my perf- presentation and performance, I'm clearly a massive Triple H fan. So I'm glad that he's the coach and I get to play and... I want to play quarterback. And uh, I'm just, uh, again, I owe him a lot for how he handled my dad, but I don't want him to look at me and see my dad. Um, damn. I 
I want him to look at me and see me. And today I felt like he saw me. And that's, that's very important. Um, my last name's done a lot of things for me, but we're at a point in my career where my first, first name has to do those things as well. And uh, it's off to a great start.